long-awaited return to the program is at Sabres Prospects. That's where you would follow him on Twitter, and that's what he does. He tracks the Sabres Prospects. He really tracks NHL prospects and does it like nobody else. It is Chris Baker joining Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK. Daddy Bakes, good to see you again, man. Great to see all of your faces here on our uh, Brady Bunch grid. And I think we've all gotten used to the Brady Bunch grid at this point over the last few months. But I feel like the band is back together, man. So it's good to be with you guys. In spirit, in spirit. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not our usual preferred gathering, but uh, it'll do for now. And uh, the show has been devoid of hockey talk. And it's because there hasn't been too much. And yes, there was a draft, but and the Taylor Hall signing was big for the Buffalo Sabres, but with no games to be played for a couple of months, everybody's just so into the Bills and even UB football, I think, more. But I think it's time. The leaves are falling off the trees. Um, the NBA and Major League Baseball are finally done with their seasons. Now we're kind of getting in that mood again. I think our Western New York internal clocks are starting to crave hockey. Uh, so wanted to have you on, Chris. And um, – and there has been a lot going on, though. I mean, little things here and there over the months. Um, but what would you just say if I were to ask you, what do you think the state of the Buffalo Sabres is right now? can only go up from where they've been. So, you know, with that said, um, you know, to your point, this is normally when hockey is kind of in full swing. You know, we always say, oh, well, you got to look at the standings on American Thanksgiving, and that tells you it's an indicator, right, if the team's going to make the playoffs or not. Well, what, what's our new one this year, you know, Valentine's Day? I, I don't know, but um, the Sabres themselves, I mean, they're still making moves. I think that they have an idea, you know, they're really trying to construct a roster from top to bottom all the way in Rochester as well that, um, you know, gets guys that can compete. They got to get experienced guys in here. They made a move for a depth goaltender this week that maybe we can get into for a little bit. But I mean, um, you know, I like the moves. I like the draft. You can kind of get an idea of the type of player that they're looking for. They're definitely looking to fill roles. It's not straight up, just let's get the best talent, offensive talent across the board. You look at, you know, some of the depth signings that they've made. It's clear that they have a vision for slotting guys into certain roles, and I think that's a healthy way to look at building a roster. And I think the draft also, we talked about it, you know, did they draft the best player available to draft? We won't know that for a couple of years, but I think going into the draft, I think they had a profile of a player that they needed to get. And they, um, they definitely hit that. I think they needed a scoring winger, and that's what they got with Jack Quinn. So that was kind of the first domino as they entered free agency. They made some key moves here. And, you know, I get hammered on, I think, a lot on social media for maybe being a little too positive at times. I have the ability to be negative, but right now I don't see a reason to be negative. I'm giving Kevin Adams and his team kind of a blank canvas, a, a clean slate. And so far I think they're doing a pretty decent job, given the resources and some of the cost concerns that exist in the organization. How hesitant, though, are you to give Kevin Adams a clean slate? I know you said you are, but did you have to grapple with that at all, given the track record of the, the burn rate that the Pagulas have gone through with their GMs, not only in terms of um, how it's happened and that they fall out of favor, but they fall out of favor quickly. So does Kevin Adams, does he have a blank canvas with the Pagulas, do we think? Well, he certainly has a really good relationship with them, and there's trust there, where I think that he's off to a, a more of a head start than Jason Botterill was. 
or, you know, Tim Murray was for that matter, where he's been in the organization, different roles on the business side of things. I think that there's trust built up and that lends to just a, a more seamless work relationship. You can get things done quicker. Um, from my perspective, to answer your question directly, I mean, maybe my stance would be different. Maybe he didn't, he wouldn't have a clean slate if I didn't know Kevin Adams, or at least, you know, we're not great pals, but we've, you know, we come from the same hockey pedigree with Chris Hicks and the, you know, the old Niagara scenic days. And um, I've had a lot of knowledge about Kevin Adams as a person and the type of human being that he is, which I have no reason to think that he won't succeed in the job. So that's kind of my perspective. And again, maybe that's me being too positive and that's a fair criticism of me, but that's where I'm at when looking at Kevin Adams and the start that he's given. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not the skeptic, you know, and I, and I look at the players that he's brought in and I can see why they brought in the players that they did. Tim, you and I talked about maybe six or eight months ago, just about, you know, maybe a Sabres, you know, projecting what they might do. This was before Kevin Adams was a GM. We talked about maybe Taylor Hall being a guy that they go out and look for. And they did. And they got the big fish. Now, was that Kevin Adams? No, that's Ralph Kruger being a closer. But um, I have no reason to believe that the Kevin Adams and Ralph Kruger conglomerate can do good things here moving forward. What do you make of the the public perception of Kevin Adams and, you know, when he was hired and just some of the things that people said because of um, the way everything went down and then all the cost cutting? What do you make of the public perception? And then how do you think um, or what do you think he's done, I guess, to push back against that um, with some of these moves? Sabres fans have every right and reason to be skeptical of everything. OK, so when it comes to the perception of Kevin Adams, I totally get why they're just like, show me, you know, it's that whole show me, don't blow me thing. Right. And they're, um, they're, they're wanting to be shown right now. I think they're eager to get this going. They want to see the team on the ice. Everything's on paper. So the, the public perception, I totally get it where they've, they've been, you know, their chains have been yanked for many years here, really since the Bagulas bought the team and Terry fired his shot of, you know, the whole reason for existence of his team is to win the Stanley cup. And I think he put a, a three year, um, you know, not a guarantee, but I mean, you know, the Pagulas did this to themselves too, with a lot of their bravado and, you know, the way that they went about their tank very brazenly. And you can argue whether that tank paid off or not. I still don't think that it has. I don't care if you got the player, you haven't won jack squat. So I get the fans perception of this is just another move and everything else. Again, my stance on Kevin and, and Ralph, again, I think Ralph really is running the show. If we're going to be honest here. Um, but it's, you know, I, I have history with Kevin where I have no reason to believe that he's not going to build a really quality club moving forward. What do you think about the immediate expectations for this coming season? If this is year two of the Ralph Kruger program, what do the Sabres need to do? What do you need to see from the Sabres to think that's going in the right direction? Got to balance the lineup and don't be afraid to try different things and don't rush your young players up. Okay. So, um, there's no pressure to have Jack Quinn in the lineup right now because they went out and did a pretty decent job filling out the roster in free agency. I think give your young players a chance to breathe a little bit, let their development happen organically. Casey Middlestad, same thing. Okay, he's going to be 22 years old in a couple of weeks here. But, you know, Casey Middlestad just needs to worry about Casey Middlestad. He doesn't need to worry about Dylan Cousins. You know, comparison is the thief of joy, right? Casey Middlestad needs to see the long haul for his career and just get better and work his way up towards making the Sabres. I don't think he's going to be on the roster this year, at least to start. Um, getting Taylor Hall, 
you know, don't be afraid to try different things. I think Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall are going to be locked in together. Find them a winger, try different wingers. Is it Olsen? Is it Sam Reinhardt? Don't be afraid to try Sam Reinhardt at center. If Eric Stahl is not your bona fide number two guy to anchor that line. So I think that my expectations are that I said at the top, it can only go up. I'm sick and tired of watching, you know, the hockey that I've had to watch when I sit down to watch an NHL game. I spend a lot of times up here in this office watching junior hockey and European hockey. When I go and watch the Sabres play, I want to watch a quality product, not as a fan, just as a, you know, of the Sabres, but as a consumer of hockey, I haven't had that luxury. So I think it's going to take them to try different things. Um, and again, I think that they did a good job bringing experienced players in here to allow their younger players, like a middle stat, like a Will Borgen, who's a right shot defenseman who can play in the NHL probably. Build a good culture down in Rochester too. Get them winning. Get a win at every level of the organization. So that's really my expectation, Jonah, if I'm answering your question in a satisfactory way to you, is that I want to see a team that competes and I want to see a team that's not afraid to try different things if it, if it leads to wins. What do you think the Taylor Hall signing does for the organization because there are so many different ways to look at it, especially in the context of a one-year contract. Um, there is some skepticism that you could look at. Maybe they're just buying themselves a draft pick at the trade deadline or what have you, or some assets. Uh, maybe it's a PR move. Uh, but there are some actual success metrics that you can plug onto the team right now when you have a player like Taylor Hall, and depending on what line you put him on. I guess what's your quick and dirty overview of – the uh, the palatability of this of this signing was it and and whether what why why it was done it's a whole shot in the arm for the organization and really the city if you think about it um, we've always heard about the Sabers maybe having a disadvantage when it comes to recruiting players well here was the marquee free agent and he chose to come to Buffalo largely because of his relationship with Ralph Kruger so I think that you know the key to, to Hall is keeping him healthy. I think you want to weave him right into the leadership group on that team right away. If Jack Eichel's your captain, I would not be surprised at all if they give an, an, an A to Taylor Hall and they show him um, that he's trusted. He's part of the success of this team, both on and off the ice. Unless I he's a bonehead, that should be automatic. It should be automatic. Unless he comes in and does something, I mean, and he's not. I, I mean, there's no, unless he comes in and does something totally out of left field, then he absolutely has the A coming into the season. Totally. I, I, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think that, you know, from a counting stats perspective, you want to see 35 goals, 90 points, somewhere around there as a, a modest, modest benchmark, benchmarks for him to hit. Um, but I think it boosts the entire roster. You know, you, your power play gets better. Um, Victor Olofsson, who's still a young player, doesn't have to shoulder the load of being this guy that is, you know, accounting for X percent of your goals. He can just kind of do his thing and maybe get better matchups. Remember when the Sabres were really good in those middle, early 2000s and Thomas Vanek didn't have to play on the top line. He scored 41 goals one year, largely because of the matchups he was getting. Maybe, right. maybe an Olsen has the same type of success rate now that maybe he can play down the lineup if they're trying different things and you maybe put him with Stahl and Skinner. I look at it, let's pod these players, man. Okay, Eichel and Hall together, Skinner and Stahl together, mix and match Reinhardt. Maybe Tage Thompson, who's got a great shot also, and, you know, coming off the injury last year, maybe he can play a bigger role up the lineup. That's why I keep saying try different things. It doesn't have to be all Olsen and Reinhardt. And maybe Reinhardt is a center, like I said. Um, but, I, you know, to go back to Hall, I don't see it as a one-year deal. 
I think they're really going to try to show him that this can work. He and Jack can maybe make magic on ice and he can sign another contract. And then you have to worry about the trickle down effect from there. What do you do with Reinhardt after that? You know, how do you handle the expansion draft? What kind of trades do you do to maneuver for the expansion draft? So there's a lot of story to still be written here, but, but it's all moot by the way, if Taylor Hall doesn't stay healthy. One of the strange things about Taylor Hall and Buffalo being a locale that you can draw him to is that he doesn't, if you, other than the Island, other than uh, Long Island, uh, he's played on all the markets that you would put below Buffalo in terms of its appeal. <laughs> you, yeah. Edmonton, Newark, <laughs> or wherever. Uh, yeah, he's, he's probably going to come to Western New York and think, well, this is, he, he's been here before, obviously, as a visitor, but he's going to spend some time here and think, hey, this is, uh, this is a utopia. Hockey heaven, maybe. <laughs> yeah, hockey heaven where careers go to die, right? <laughs> maybe not anymore. But um, it's kind of the same thing that we said about when Skinner waved his no trade to come to Buffalo. You know, close to home, the Ontario guys, you know. You see a lot of, um, you know, if Ontario guys, like we always say, it's like, look at Joe Thornton. He, he, all he's doing by playing for the Maple Leafs this year is checking something off the bucket list for a hockey player. You know what I mean? And maybe coming to Buffalo is the next best thing for some of these guys that are Ontario boys, you know. But, yeah, Buffalo, I mean, you can't compare the, the Buffalo market. The one thing I will say to take, I, I will take exception to one thing you say about Long Island. Yeah, the market has been kind of goofy and they had, you know, the, the SUV in the corner when they were playing in the rink and all this goofy stuff. Look at what that team has done, though. They lost John Tavares, their cornerstone, for well, nothing. I'm so, yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, I know what you're saying, cow, but it's like I love what cow. they're doing there. Yeah, but I love what they're doing there. I hear you, though. I know why you, why you mentioned that. I do. Hey, Chris, when you talk about balancing the lineup and generating more scoring chances that aren't coming from Jack Eichel when Jack Eichel's on the ice, my question is why – why are Hall and Eichel wedded together and your projections and really everybody looking at the Sabres roster when it seems like a player like Taylor Hall might be the perfect guy to try to create scoring when Jack Eichel's not out there, take pressure off Eichel and get more opportunities, even within a power play, to score that isn't so reliant on one player because it, we've shown that – or Skinner's shown, Olofsson's shown, these guys can score with Jack Eichel on the wing. Eichel doesn't really need Taylor Hall to finish for him. You know, why are they, why is it assumed that they're going to play together all the time? So there's two ways to look at it. And I love that question because, um, you know, I look at the Bruins, they just load up their top line, Bergeron, Pasternak, Marshawn, and they just kind of go and they're the pace setter for the team. They log the most minutes of the number one power play. And that's one philosophy, but then you can look at what Pittsburgh's done with Sidney Crosby and they've put guys like, you know, Connor Sherry playing with them and Brian Rust and, Dominic Simone, who they didn't even sign. And, you know, they, they put, they let the strength of the centermen carry two maybe average wingers and that allows them to put more balance together. The, the thing that leads me to believe that Hall and Eichel are going to be locked together was Ralph's comments when he recruited Taylor Hall. And he talked about their competitive nature of pushing each other. And it really seems like he's going to try to have them play together and maybe deploy that Bruins philosophy and maybe less of a Penguins philosophy when it comes to using those two players. How do you think it'll work? They're both kind of puck possession guys. Um, how do you think they'll mesh on, on the ice just from a, a you know, play style standpoint? You know, that's a good question. And it's one of those things that we need to see come out. I don't know if Taylor Hall has really played with a, a center the caliber of Jack Eichel where, you know, maybe Taylor Hall's possession numbers have been 
as good as they have been because he's had to have the puck on a stick to kind of carry the line that way. I think it's one of those things where you, you need to see it happen to really understand if it's going to be successful or not. And that's kind of where I land with it. Um, what I can tell you is that, you know, Taylor Hall is, um, I think when he has a little, when he's not the, the focus of attention for defenders, I think he's going to thrive. So if folks are really drawn to Eichel and maybe he gets a double in some ways and guys are just closing in on Jack, that's going to leave someone open and it could be Taylor Hall in a lot of instances. And that's going to allow him to use his, his gifts to score and, you know, his shooting skills and everything else. Uh, before we get into more of the prospect angle of it, just to kind of wrap up the, I mean, we can, every, talking about the defense on this team, I don't know. I know it's a big issue. It's a little boring to me because it seems like we're talking about the same things over and over and over again when it comes to the defense. But goaltending, um, how would you just give your assessment? That's, I know that's your, uh, your wheelhouse, and uh, I always love getting your opinions on the organizational depth um, when it comes to goal, and that still seems to be an unaddressed uh, position so far this offseason. It is. If they have a weakness, I think it's still goaltending. When um, that second day of free agency started, it, it was clear to me anyways, if I was in that room with them, it's like, hey, guys, this is go time to go out and get Corey Crawford for two years. So when you look at free agency, Braden Holtby was out there. He signed a two-year deal with Vancouver. I think it was in the neighborhood of $4 million. And to me, that was the benchmark for what a guy like Corey Crawford was going to want. Corey Crawford had a great year last year in Chicago, and he would have been a great fit here. That allowed you maybe some flexibility to do something with Hutton if you didn't believe in him. And I'm, I'm not sure that Hutton's going to rebound and maybe, you know, earn the dollars that he's getting. So I have concerns there. Um, obviously, you know why they didn't pursue a guy like Corey Crawford, because they were waiting to keep those dollars in line because they were in, in the mix for Hall and they ended up getting the big fish there. So that's, you know, you can see it happen now working backwards, um, why they didn't pursue Corey Crawford. I thought that was a miss, though you know, not getting him. So when you look at the organization top to bottom, um, you know, to kind of go to go what happened this week with them signing Dustin Tokarski to a two-year contract. So you have a 31-year-old guy. He's got somewhere, I just, I think just north of 30 NHL games on his resume. And I think that's important when you, you need your organizational three or four that generally you're going to stash in Rochester to have NHL game experience. They didn't really have that right now. If you're looking at, you know, before Tokarski came into the picture, you have Uka Pekalukinen, who's they really want to grab the reins and be the guy in Rochester for the next two years. And Jonas Johansson, who was an AHL All-Star last year, I suspect that they would have never gone out to get Tukarski if they could get a two-year contract with Johansson, because that's the guy then that they could have exposed in the expansion draft. The Tukarski move was all about getting veteran depth in there. He can help with Lukinen's development, but he's also the guy that we can expose to Seattle. Um, Sabres are in trouble though, man, after this year with goaltending. I don't think there's any question about that. No one should expect Lukanen to be ready to come up to the NHL after this season. All has to have a good year. He got him on a one-year contract right now. Hutton's got one year left and I think the writing's on the wall for him. So what's the plan? We need to find out, but I think they're in trouble after this year as far as if you're already looking forward to 2021-22, I don't know what the plan is yet. Well, Got to build a bridge to Jackson Baker, and there's a lot yeah. of pieces in between there, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of pieces in between there if you're looking at 17-year-old Jackson Baker <laughs> coming up and playing. But, um, no, you know, I think that, you know, the Sabres were looking at 
um, getting a goal, you know, entering uh, day two of the draft, I strongly believe that that they had picked number 100 early in the fourth round and they were going to take a goaltender there. Um, there were a couple that they were looking at. They had to use 100 to get up and take the German forward, Paterka, and that kind of killed that. They had some other prospects they were looking at, maybe that they would burn a fifth rounder on, and they went right before the Sabres were up. So they didn't get a chance to take another goalie to get him in the system. But again, these, aren't, these are guys that are going to be five years off from helping at the NHL level anyways. Um, Eric Portillo is going to be at University of Michigan if they end up playing hockey this year. I mean, I know they're going to, you know, they're scheduled to play, but, you know, even a guy like that's probably three or four years out. So big, big problems, I think, in net for the Sabres moving forward. They're doing well addressing the skaters, and they have some sorting out to do with their defensemen. I still think that goaltending is the most important position in hockey. A lot of people want to tell me I'm crazy for saying that. Um, and they're really, I don't know what the, I don't know what they're going to do right now. How are you, Chris Baker, at Sabres Prospects on Twitter and NHL scouts out there going to evaluate uh, young players this, uh, this winter? We, we know that the Ontario Hockey League has said no body checking. Uh, you have some additional information that I wasn't aware of uh, regarding some other uh, junior leagues out there and their rules moving forward. I guess what's – how would you describe this landscape that uh, – if, the, if there is hockey, that's that's still if all this can happen and everybody passed their yeah. tests and things don't crash and who knows what else. But what what are we looking at here? You really got to front load your scouting while they're playing. You know, I think Europe, you know, Europe already has stopped playing in certain countries. The Czech Republic shut down for a couple of weeks. Um, Sweden and Finland are having surges where certain organizations are shutting down. Um, so, you know, if, if you have the ability to get out and see live viewings, you got to get them in when you can. That's now or the, you know, the, the past couple of weeks, but um, you know, for a Sabres organization, it really shrunk their scouting staff and they were already going to plan to move to video anyways. Um, this couldn't set up any better for them. Um, you know, video scouting has its pros and cons. Okay. So you can watch a greater volume of games in a day. And I can attest to that. I watch four or five games sometimes a day, which is nuts. And I'm fried from it. My brain sucks because of it. But, you know, you also, the, the con to that is that you only see what's on the frame. And when you're scouting, you got to see the whole picture. So there's disadvantages to rely on just video in an ideal world. There's a reason that hockey is considered a terrible television sport. Yeah. Yeah. And you that's part of it. Know, you can only see what's right in front of the camera. Yeah. And that's, and that's a challenge because you do want to see, you know, you, you have to see the whole picture. So there, there's issues with that. You know, ideally, you would use video scouting to deploy your eyes, your live eyes. You know, if you're looking at 10 players on video, pull out the three that you want to go watch live. You might not have that opportunity this year. Now, to your comment earlier about what the OHL is doing, you know, they're going to a no body contact um, style of the sport this year. And that's also filtering down to other leagues, the OJHL, which is their junior A league in Ontario. They're going, you know, they put out their five on five regulations um, before we hopped on about an hour before we, we did this today where um, no body contact players have to wear masks. You have to wear the bubble face mask. Um, you know, there's going to be strict guidelines for who they're going to let into the arena. Now that's only in Ontario. Um, but I, I suspect similar mechanisms are going to be in place for the Alberta Junior A League, the British Columbia Junior A League. We don't even know 
when the WHL is going to start. The OHL seems to want to start in months from now. We're in November. I mean, we're still about three months out before the OHL is even thinking about playing. So everything's upside down right now. Um, if you're the Sabres and you're looking at the pool of draft players, I mean, draft eligible players, the USHL is still playing. Their games are set to start this weekend. The NAHL, which is, you know, really you're only taking goalies out of there. Okay. Um, you know, they're playing. There's games that have been happening. Um, but I expect everything to be shut down, man. I mean, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy here, but the, you can already see it. USHL games are going to be canceled in pockets. And, and, and at some point you're going to have a pause across the board just like what's been going on in Europe, you know, Czech Republic, they were playing games for about a good solid three weeks to a month. And then their health minister just said, you know, we got to shut everything down. Um, they, they tried to shut down for just two weeks over there. It was about three and a half, four weeks. Now they're going to start to try to play games again this weekend. We'll see where it goes. Um, it's just a weird year, man. I think video is going to rule the day when it comes to scouting and it's going to come with some flaws. Chris, what do you think or what have you heard about, local hockey, junior clubs, recreation, high schools, youth, you know, what, what is your insight on whether they'll be able to play, when they'll be able to play, how the game will be played locally this coming months? I think your guess is probably as good as mine, Jonah, honestly. Um, you know, I, I'm plugged into, you know, the 16U and 18U ranks just by virtue of having a niece and nephew that play at a very high level at those age groups. And um, like in Chicago right now, they've been going – to Detroit and trying to go to Pittsburgh to play games. But, you know, every plan gets shut down usually. I think my nephew plays in Chicago. He's only played four games so far. Usually they've had 20 to 25 games in. Um, here in, in, in Buffalo, I don't know what the plan's going to be. I mean, we know the junior Sabres, the junior A team, that uh, playing in that OJHL that we just talked about with those rules and regulations, they just opted out for the year. And then the junior Sabres, 16U, and, and all the age groups below, they went on pause because of a COVID outbreak. So scheduling's tough because a lot of these higher, um, you know, higher level, they play out of state a lot. And not every state's different right now. Illinois is different from Michigan. You know, when you, the junior Sabres, they play a lot of games against like Little Caesars and Honey Baked in Detroit. And, you know, even going towards, you know, North Jersey, there's a couple of the Avalanche and the Rockets and things like that. There's good teams out there that they want to play. Everything's up in the air right now, Jonah. I just don't know how it's going to shake out. It's such a weird year. <clears throat> Coming into this year, like when we were talking about this in summer, we were saying, be lucky if you have a regular season that starts in January or February. And maybe that's how it still ends up. Yeah, I think that uh, when you're talking about crossing state lines and all those restrictions that you have quarantining, especially teams coming into New York and all the tournaments that happen, whether it's at the Northtown center or, you know, downtown, whatever, you might have a situation where if there, if you are allowed to play here in New York, that you're just playing the same teams over and over again. I mean, you might get, that's right. of it, but, but that's obviously high school. Uh, they'll, they might be able to have their games, but you're talking about the youth and how much, how dependent they are on teams coming in from Pittsburgh and, Cleveland and wherever else just to put these tournaments together. Uh, those, those probably get dashed uh, pretty quickly. Um, anything else, Chris, to, that uh, you want to add that I didn't ask you about? No, I think that, you know, just to kind of go back to what we talked about at the top of the conversation. I mean, you know, the, the prospects are still playing right now. There's games in Sweden. Like when we end this call and I still have work to do, but on that TV will be a game in Sweden I'll still be putting out video highlights for the guys that are playing. Um, 
you know, there, there are a lot of things to like about some of these young players. I think that really more than ever, though, it's going to be about patience, especially with this year. This year, you know, a lot of these guys that I'm reporting on right now, the Sabres are going to try to get over here to play in Rochester. Oscar Loxon, who plays for the Pelicans in the Finnish Leagues, having a great start to his year. Artur Rutzelainen, who, you know, as of uh, over the weekend, was a top scorer in the Finnish League. Young, crafty forward who could really challenge for a roster spot on the Sabres this year. So even though we don't have a lot of hockey going on right now at the NHL or AHL level here in the States, there's a lot going on still in Europe as long as they're playing and have the ability to play and, and we'll be keeping an eye on them all. And I just wanted to make sure I got that plug in to watch the Twitter feed for video highlights and everything else. At Sabres Prospects, uh, we'll be plugging the, the whole thing. We'll do it through the show. We'll remind everybody. It's, uh, it's compelling, compelling content because you can't get it anywhere else unless you know exactly who it is that's in the Sabres organization and you have Google alert set up or whatever, or you can just have Chris Baker do it for you. And he'll give you all the updates on where these guys are playing, what team they're with this year, whether they, who they got loaned out to, whether they've been traded, transcribing tweets or whatever the hell you'd need to do, uh, or not trans translating, I should say. Some and I'll guy. do my best to reply to those questions after the election dust is settled. I'm trying to not pay as much attention to, to Twitter right now, but I go on there, I tweet, and I get the hell out of there, man. That's kind of the plan right now. <laughs> Smart to do. <laughs> philosophy. Chris Baker, again, follow him at Sabres Prospects on Twitter. Uh, one of the great Fs of TGAF. And, uh, he hasn't been on in a while, so it's good to have one of our best Fs back on TGAF. Brought Appreciate you guys the time. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Nice seeing your faces. We'll do it All soon, right. hopefully live. See you soon, bud. All right, man.